Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Today's reading is going to be from Joshua 24, verse 1, 14 through 18, 25 through 28. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges, and officials of Israel and then presented themselves before God. Now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshipped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents out of Egypt from the land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in the land. We too will serve the Lord, because he is our God. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people. And there in Shechem, he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And Joshua recorded these things in the book of the law of God. Then he took a large stone and set it up there under the oak tree near the holy place of the Lord. See, he said to all the people, this stone will be a witness against us. It it has heard all the words the Lord has said to us. It will be a witness against you if you are untrue to your God. Then Joshua dismissed the people, each to their own inheritance. This is the word of the Lord. Now, I might be talking about you, but there are some people who are not good at saying goodbyes. They, or you, are the type of people who at parties feel like it's quite all right to slip out the door when no one else is looking. You even have signs and symbols with people that you go to parties with secretive codes that you might even share with each other to let them know it's time for us to act like we're going to the bathroom and I'll meet you in the car in five minutes. I know there's several of you out there that are like this without any semblance of Southern hospitality. You feel like it's okay to do that. A couple years ago, I found that there's actually a name for that kind of farewell. Does anyone have an idea of what it's called? The Irish goodbye. Do you think the Irish are feeling good about that? The impolite Irish, or what was the other one? Ghosting, that's right. Yes, yes. It's about to just this, this desire of, I'm not going to have to engage in a goodbye. It's better for me just to disappear like vapor. And you will also see this at the Charbonneau house when a babysitter comes. I, I'm, I'm the type of person when they come in, I, I kind of thank them as I'm closing the back door and I kind of just slide a bag of 
of pirate booty and goldfish their way as I run out the back door ready for a date night. What, uh, what I've realized, though, is the way that we say goodbye is very important. Goodbyes are really important. And I think if we're honest, that many of us are ready to ghost on 2020. We're ready to, for an Irish goodbye. We're ready just to, to get out. But I think that wisdom might invite us into a different practice. Actually, wisdom might have us slow down in this moment as we are saying goodbye to this past year and greeting a new year. Wisdom might have us actually give this year a proper goodbye. The passing of a year is much like a threshold moment. This, this moment where you're in between two different rooms, two different spaces, there's this threshold. It's like a, for the passing of one season into another, the passing of one chapter into another. Uh, the new year is in many ways like this threshold. And what I found over reading and studying Scripture is that the Bible is full of these type of moments. The moments where the people of God are leaving one way of being, one chapter, one existence, and they're entering into a new way. The Bible is full of these kind of moments, almost to teach us that God might uniquely be present in threshold moments in people's lives. That's what we find here in Joshua chapter 24, the passage that Kelsey just read. A little background about that passage, as it might be unfamiliar to us, is that Moses was called by God to lead the people um, from slavery into the promised land. He got to the edge of the promised land, and, and his role was complete. And so another leader had to be raised up, and that was Joshua. And so Joshua was called to lead the people now into the promised land through that threshold, and so through this experience of uh, struggles and battles and uncertainty, Joshua led with the belief that God would fight for his people, and God did. And they, they had the promised land. It was, it was given to them. They found peace. And after that time, Joshua knew that his time on this earth was coming to an end. He was saying goodbye. The people were about to establish themselves into the land of Israel, into their families. They're about to find this new normal in their life. And Joshua sees that this was a threshold. A threshold for him personally, a threshold for the nation. And so he does something really unique. If you were to read Joshua chapter 23 and 24, you'll find that Joshua goes into storytelling mode. That Joshua gathers the people and he recounts their history, what God had done. He reels it all the way back to Abraham and begins to speak of what God had done, what the people of God had done, their victories and their failures, all that had happened along the way. And Joshua tells the people their story from, from being with Abraham to Jacob, to, from Isaac to Jacob to being enslaved into Egypt and going through the wilderness, the wanderings of learning to trust God for 40 years. And we find ourselves here in this promised land now. And Joshua then retells the people their own experience as if they were the ones who hadn't lived it. Joshua tells them what it all meant. Sorry about that. <laughs> what? What? Yeah, just like that. Um, and 
it's funny that, um, I hope you have it all memorized, Brooke. You got it. You got it. I believe in you. Um, it's funny that he tells the people their own story. Now, why in the world would Joshua do that? Why well, think that Joshua knew that they were about to say goodbye? And so Joshua knew how important it was to say goodbye well. Joshua didn't want the people just to run forward. It's like give themselves in their own homes and their land, start planting, start taking care of themselves, and just running forward. That Joshua knew the best way to start this new beginning is to actually say goodbye well. And I wonder if Joshua were here today, I wonder as we pass through this threshold moment in our life, I wonder if Joshua would want to retell us our own story. What has 2020 been like for you? This remarkable, challenging year, what has it meant for us? I wonder if Joshua was a trusted friend, if he would gather with you outdoors with a cup of coffee and helped you review your past year. I wonder what he would say. You know, this year has revealed many things to us. I uh, was thinking about this when a, a friend of mine, he was talking to me about the name Goliath. You know that giant in that story, David and Goliath, this young, small David, this huge, giant Goliath. And uh, what happened with Goliath, he was so big, so strong, so uh, domineering that the people of Israel were, were stuck in fear. They couldn't, they couldn't move forward. They couldn't engage this battle. And so they were stuck there, paralyzed in fear. And my friend, my friend Bob told me, he said, you know the name Goliath actually means to uncover, to, to reveal? Yes, Goliath was a huge giant. He was powerful. But what Goliath actually did is Goliath revealed something within Israel. Goliath revealed that they are people that can be can see through worldly eyes and forget that there is a powerful, strong God who wants to fight for his people. What was revealed was their fear, their, their struggle with trust. This was, was revealed in them. Now, 2020 has been a Goliath of a year. So much has been revealed and uncovered in us, in our society, us as individuals, not only with how we deal with uncertainty, how do we deal with fear and conflict when our mortality has been kind of uh, revealed in its own way, but also we've been re- what's been revealed is how we cope. How do we cope with fear? How do we cope with anxiety? And maybe there's been positive things that have been revealed, some unexpected gifts that have come during this challenging year. But I'm curious, if you were to look back on this year, what do you now know of yourself that you didn't know a year ago? Socrates once said that the unexamined life is not worth living. He believes that examining one's life is a key to unlocking deeper purpose and meaning. For Socrates, if someone doesn't have this practice of stopping and reflecting on their life, their triumphs and their failures, what was the point of going through it? If there wasn't any sort of uh, returning, reflecting upon it. Because if we actually have time and faith to review our life, the peaks and the valleys, all of a sudden we might find deeper meaning. They actually might become our teacher. 
Now, if this is true for Socrates, how much more should this be true of people of God who believe that God can redeem all things? All things for good. We should be people who believe that God wants to meet with us, not only in our future, but also as we reflect upon our past and meditate on how God has been at work, sometimes subtly. I believe wisdom might call us out to reflect on this year as we pass through this threshold to give it a proper goodbye and to reflect on what's happened. Because if not, not only do we miss out on the good things, but I think many of us will miss out on healing, healing well. Some years back, I I read a study, I heard a study about the difference between World War II and Vietnam. And part what the study was looking at was the huge number of soldiers who were fighting mental illness upon their return. Now, those wars were very different in many different ways. But one thing that this researcher was looking at is how the soldiers returned, re-entered after the war was over. In World War II, after the victory was declared, there was the enormous task of having thousands upon thousands upon thousands of soldiers return home from far, far away. And the most common way in which soldiers returned from home was by boat. So these soldiers would spend many weeks on the ocean in their journey home. And how do you imagine they they spent that time? Perhaps soldiers would tell stories. They would process what happened together. They would wrestle with any sort of meaning that could be drawn from it. They would stand together. They would cry together. They would talk about their dreams for the future. Vietnam was different. Oftentimes, soldiers would leave Vietnam and be home in a fraction of that time. Even politician John Kerry, he spoke of his own experience, recalling a story after returning home from Vietnam. Just one week after leaving the jungle, one week, think about that, one week after leaving the jungle, he was on a flight from San Francisco to New York, and he fell asleep. He woke up from his sleep from a, in a, from a nightmare, screaming and flailing in his airplane seat. And rather than being around soldiers who could empathize, soldiers who knew what he was probably thinking and dreaming, maybe even a chaplain to pray with him, he woke up and looked around to other uh, people on the flight, frightened, moving away from him like he had the plague. This researcher concluded that perhaps one of the main causes, the major causes for the lack of mental health upon people's return was the absence of reflection. The absence of processing and reviewing experiences with a community of people who know what you've gone through. And without that ability to review what has happened, Oftentimes, a wound would be created and would have a hard time ever healing. Now, what we've experienced in 2020 is nothing compared to the traumatic experiences of war. But for many of us, this has been the most challenging year of our life. Perhaps this has been the most challenging season of our life. And if there's any year that we might need to stop and review what has happened It might be this moment, this year. And I believe the best way to say hello to a new chapter is to actually faithfully say goodbye to what we have experienced and what we are ready to leave. So 
The way we say goodbye is important, but we also know the way in which we say hello is important. You guys know that first impressions are powerful. Uh, they happen very, very quickly, and sometimes once they are established, it's really hard to change them. Now, I acknowledge as we see this new year that for many of us, they think, well, well there's nothing magical about New Year's Day. It's a day like any other, right? But I believe that the new year actually has this ability to awaken our imaginations of actually being made new. That for us to have this New Year's Day experience, it actually kind of wakens hope that what if I could meet with a God who can make me new? Because I think there's something within the human condition we long for a clean slate. This week, even as I was thinking about this message, I was listening to a band, Wilco, and I heard uh, the front man, Jeff Tweedy, tragically sing, I know that I would die if I could come back new. Just this longing of newness. And as people, we have a longing for new beginnings. Joshua knew that in this threshold moment, in the life of the people of Israel, that that this beginning would be pivotal, pivotal. And so, not only was it important to review their past, but it would also be important how they begin together. And so, let's recount what, what Joshua did. What did he do? After retelling their past, Joshua then said these words, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors' worship beyond the Euphrates. Back then, the stories I told about that led to tragedy and heartache. Get rid of that. Begin differently and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. Like as we begin, choose today. Who are you going to serve? Whether the gods of your ancestors or the gods of your neighbors, the Amorites, in whose lands you are living. When Joshua says what has been crocheted over some homes, but for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now Joshua is doing something very, very specific here. He's giving the people the opportunity as they begin this chapter, he's giving them the opportunity to begin differently, to renew their covenant with God. The covenant is just like this relational agreement with God. It's like Joshua saying, it's now that you're here. And after, now after God has been faithful to you, to bring you to this place, to give you this land, to establish you in this home, will you commit to knowing and serving and loving God in this new season? Do you recommit yourself to God to live differently? So after a back and forth, the people share their promise, their covenant to begin differently. And Joshua, he does a couple things that are very intentional, very intentional uh, to establish this new moment, this new beginning. He does, he creates this community moment. You guys remember what he did? He asked for a, representa uh, a rep representative from each tribe, each family to come together so that the whole nation can be represented, and people from each tribe and family can go back and talk about what we, our family, have now committed to. So he creates this community moment, and he also, he draws a line in the sand. He, 
he, he gives this opportunity for people to make a commitment, a very clear commitment. And then after it, after he ensures that people have, have made that commitment, then he puts it down in writing. He, he writes it in the word of God, actually, is what you'll find in the text. He'll write it down, down. He wants to put a pen to paper so that people could go back and look at it the time that their, their ancestor was a part of this agreement. And then finally, what does he do? He puts a large stone under a tree as a monument so that when people would walk by it, they would remember the day they began this chapter. They would remember the day in which they covenanted with God and with each other as they moved into this new beginning. I believe that those practices were not something for ancient Middle East, but there's some wisdom to what Joshua did. Wisdom that we could apply in our own lives. I believe that Jesus wants us to begin this year filled with, filled with hope that this can be different. That we can enter into a different kind of year. Yes, many of the challenges we've had from 2020 are going to follow us in like an uninvited guest, and that's fine. But what we remember, even a couple weeks ago we talked about this, that Jesus declared among many of his names as he is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and he's the ending. What I would almost, almost like to say, Jesus is the beginner and he's the ender. And I wonder what Jesus wants to begin and end for you in 2021 as he declares that he can make all things new. Jesus is passionate about that renewing work. He's passionate about it. We were reminded of Jesus' interaction with Nicodemus when Nicodemus was talking to Jesus about how he could enter into the kingdom of God. And Jesus said the confusing words, if you want to enter my kingdom, you're going to have to be born again. You're going to have to start over. Even on his last supper when Jesus gathered in that final meal with his disciples, he lifted up the, coven, the cup and he said, I am beginning a new covenant, a new relationship with you. Jesus wanted to enter into new beginnings. He even said once he was asked about why, why, um, why he wouldn't go along with the ways that things were, were happening in the past, that Jesus said, would you put new wine in old wineskins? Like, would you, would you put something that's new into to, to what the contained what was old? And I love how Eugene Peterson, how he said it. No one puts a fine silk scarf to patch up an old work clothes. You want fabric that matches. Don't you love that, that translation? You wouldn't put fine silk on old work clothes. You would want fabric that matches. And you don't put new wine in cracked bottles. Jesus' point was he did not come to sustain the status quo. The work of God is not to maintain the way it's been forever and always. Another way to say it for this moment is Jesus doesn't want to use 2020 wineskins for what he wants to give you in this new year, the new wine he's preparing for each of us. But the tragic belief is that many of us, we believe that we're a prisoner of the past. We get stuck believing that we can't change. We have habits and thoughts that are so ingrained in us. We don't believe that we can be made new. 
And Jesus comes to us and says, Behold, I can make you new as well. I wonder where in your life Jesus wants to make known this renewing power that he has. I wonder where you need that renewing work in your life. Romans 12 says, Do not conform any longer to the patterns of this world. Or I might say on this day, the patterns of your life, the patterns of 2020, do not conform to the way it's been, but be transformed by the what? By the renewing, by the renewing of your mind and renewing of your thoughts and your faith and your belief. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. After that renewing work, then you'll be able to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So our lives and lives have patterns and loops and habits, but we don't have to conform to them. We don't have to conform to them. We can be transformed by a renewing work of Christ. This is that important work. I believe that God wants us to come into this new year with a sense of anticipation of what God longs to do. And as a church, we're going to help you do that. So we usually don't get too prescriptive. That's like not our church's culture to be like, hey, you should do this. Like we have kind of our culture is more of a light touch. Uh, but I want to I try something out a little different. So I saw a friend of mine, a pastor named, by the name of Stephanie O'Brien. She put together a resource with um, another preacher leader, Joe Saxton, uh, called Hellos and Goodbyes. And it's a guide for people to reflect on the previous year and plan for this new year. And after looking at it and going through it personally, I thought to myself, this is so pivotal for this time and this moment that we as a church, we're going to do it together. And so uh, what this will do, it will help you review so that you can renew. Review 2020 so that you can meet with God in a posture of prayer and consider what God might want to do differently in this year. And I want to challenge you this week to set aside an hour. If you don't have an hour, set aside 30 minutes. If you don't have 30 minutes, don't watch a Netflix show. You might find some time. And sit down with the Lord who might want to have this year be different, who might want to invite you to look back at what you've experienced, what was revealed in this past year. This is not just another set of New Year's resolutions but it's an opportunity that we all have to meet with the Alpha and the Omega, the God of beginnings and endings, so that we can, so we can say hello to what this year is going to bring and so that we can say a proper farewell to what is in the past. I think this is something that God wants to meet with each of us with. So I really want to encourage you with doing that. I want us to also go to the Lord in prayer now. God, we thank you for being the God of our past, for everything in our, in our past that you've met us. If we were to recall our stories, it would be stories of a God who is faithful and loyal. Though at times we struggled, God, that you were present. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give us hope, hope of a future, hope of renewal.